Hey, welcome to Eat Crime Bites, Season 2, Episode 7. Can't even believe we're at Episode 7 already. This one, as succinctly as I can put the title, is A Criminal's Brother Swipes $5 Million Worth of Seized Bitcoin. So there's a lot of implication in this title. There's the implication that there's two criminals and their brothers, and that somebody had Bitcoin seized from them from law enforcement, and one of the brothers stole some of it back. So this is going to be a really interesting case, in my opinion, because it's a case that highlights the difference between real currency when it's seized by law enforcement and cryptocurrency when it's seized by law enforcement. You're going to see something happen with the cryptocurrency in here that you can't do with physical money, at least that I know of. And it just makes a very, very interesting twist on this story. So I gave you the technology, which was cryptocurrency. I told you why this case, which is the big twist in the difference of physical money. The crimes are, they're going to be money laundering. They're going to be wire fraud. And there's going to be this other thing, obstructing of proceedings, which is kind of like, if you ever hear where they charge somebody with tax fraud, it's kind of like that thing that you put on there where you say, hey, you stopped me from doing my investigation. It's kind of a catch-all because in this case, what the brother does slows law enforcement down. Now, the criminals here is two brothers. It's Gary Harmon, and Gary Harmon is the brother of Larry Harmon. And you're going, oh, my God, Gary and Larry. I can't believe they named them that. And that's almost as bad as maybe a couple of brothers from Michigan who are named Keith and Chris Jones, and they're both start with a K, and they're always screwed up but my dad had to call him too so i can only imagine gary and larry's dad when he got pissed at one of them probably screwed it up and called the other one's name because that's what my dad did when he was pissed at me he always called my brother's name now the victims in this case primary victim is going to be law enforcement you can argue you know taxpayers and all that behind the scenes indirectly were victims but primarily the ones you're going to see here, the frontline responders, they're the ones that, that are the victims in this case. So this week, we have four acts for you. The very first act, we're going to give you some background. And this is going to be act one on Monday. This is what you're watching right now. Helix, a dark web Bitcoin mixer. And if you go, what's a mixer? Don't worry. We're going to tell you what that is in a second. Act two, which is on Tuesday, it's going to be meet Gary Harmon, which is Larry's brother. And then Act 3, which is on Wednesday, is going to be Gary is Caught. And then Act 4, we're going to cap it off with sentencing, and that's going to be on Thursday. So with that, we're just going to go ahead and jump into Act 1, Helix, a dark web Bitcoin mixer. So if you've never been on the dark web, don't worry. You don't need to to understand this episode. Just know that there's this other place on the internet you can get to with a special browser that's kind of like the web that you usually visit. Now, because people go to the dark web, usually for bad purposes, they will try to pay for things with cryptocurrency. Now, if you've been following along in any of these episodes that Seth and I have brought to you, there's some analysis you can do with cryptocurrency and still kind of trace it back to a person. And we saw, you know, different episodes where there were blockchain analysis by law enforcement and they would track it back to a certain wallet and they would serve a subpoena and get that person's information. 
So in order to buy things a little more anonymously, or at least anonymously enough so law enforcement might not catch you, you might run your Bitcoin through some mixers. And what this does is it puts Bitcoin into a, I'll just say escrow. I don't know if escrow is the right term, but it's kind of like escrow where you give it to this website called Helix. We'll just use Helix's name here. And what they did is because they're an organization with all these places giving Bitcoin to them, then they send the payments out depending on how these people putting Bitcoin in set it up. So for instance, let's say there's 10 individuals and they have 10 wallets and they give Bitcoin to Helix. And these wallets that it's going in will be like one through 10, right? When the when the Bitcoin leaves Helix, you can imagine it goes through accounts 11 through 20. So it's not associated with one through 10 anymore. Now you're leaving Helix in 11 through 20. So what that does is that anonymizes Bitcoin that might be associated with the person through Helix and then Helix would then pay it on behalf of whoever the person paying says to pay it to. Now, for this wonderful service of anonymizing your Bitcoin, Helix charges a 2.5% fee per transaction, which doesn't sound like much, but listen to the numbers here in a second. So Helix specifically was one Bitcoin mixer. What I explained to you earlier was just Bitcoin mixers generally. Helix was one of them that was out there. Now, Helix itself exchanged over 354,000 Bitcoin. And we're talking back at the time of the crime, this was 311 million. And you're going to find out things appreciate over time. So this, this amount of Bitcoin is just the, the amount of money now is astounding. It's astounding. So. We also know from later blockchain analysis that Helix made at least 4,877 Bitcoin from this these transactions that they facilitated. Could be more, but this is the number we're gonna go by because this is what the court says it was. So if you use the same costs of, you know, how many dollars per Bitcoin, if I just did that math for you, that 4,877 using that same translation would be 4.2 million dollars so it's a hefty chunk of change that they make off the top of just doing this mixing that they do now they advertise this it's not like they just do this and people figure it out you could actually anonymize it this is what they do they advertise that they they anonymize your bitcoin transactions and you know they give all sorts of like technical jargon on why you should use them. You know, one of the things they said, and, and again, this will get traced to the brothers later on because they were involved with this whole enterprise. It says Helix uses new addresses for each transaction. So there is no way law enforcement will be able to tell which addresses are Helix addresses. So basically he's meaning he's kind of scrambling it up and he's making the blockchain analysis a lot more difficult for law enforcement. He goes on to say something like, no one has ever been arrested just through Bitcoin taint. And I'd stop there and I was like, oh my God, the kid in me, I can't even read the word taint without cracking a smile. But he said, 
No one has ever been arrested just through Bitcoin taint, but it is possible. And do you want to be the first? Most markets use quote unquote hot wallets. I guess that would be double quotes because it's a quote inside a quote. And he goes on to say they put all their fees into these wallets. Law enforcement just needs to check the taints on these wallets to find all the addresses a market uses. Okay. Now, if a lot of that went over your head, don't worry. What you need to get out of that. If you're a technical person, you understood it. Cool. That's why I read it for you. If you're not, don't worry. What you need to understand out of that is he went to great technical lengths. And I say he I actually mean the brothers went to great technical lengths to make their mixing service be as anonymous as possible. So they didn't reuse accounts and things like that, or try to make or try to put proceeds into accounts that would be traceable that other mixing services would typically do according to them. Now, Alpha Bay is one of those websites out there that provides, I guess, illicit services, depending on what it is you want to buy off there. And they had something to say about Helix. And why don't you tell us what that was, Seth? So Alpha Bay was a dark net market and they were in operation from like late December 2014 through like the summer of 2017. Uh, and that site was seized by law enforcement. By the time of the seizure, Alpha Bay was the largest darknet marketplace in operation. And they offered a platform for customers to purchase a variety of illegal drugs, guns, and other really, really interesting illegal stuff. So in or about November of 2016, this is all from the court documents, the Alpha Bay website recommended to its customers that they use a Bitcoin Tumblr service to, quote, erase any trace of their coins coming from Alpha Bay. Close quote. All right. So this is the time where I show you some pictures of Larry Harmon. This is the first brother. I haven't introduced you to Gary yet. We'll get to him in a second. But this is Larry Harmon. This is the owner of Helix, the service that we've been telling you about. This is one picture that he had just on his Twitter. You can go and check it out. It's just Coin Ninja CEO. Oh, I guess it would be called X now, which I'm, I'm always going to call it Twitter. X looks absolutely horrible. I try not to give a ton of opinion on this show, but Switching from Twitter to X is just a visual eyesore, in my opinion. Now, here's another picture of Larry. This is from Coindesk. And you go, oh, he's in a car. Cool. And then I found his LinkedIn picture, which to me was kind of backwards because his LinkedIn picture kind of looks like he's longing for a mate, right? He's kind of looking off into the distance. It's black and white. He looks like he's pondering something. It's definitely use it on like your singles profile somewhere. Definitely this picture. And I'm saying this for our audio listeners, video people, you could see this, but for our audio listeners, it's just, it's, it's a much more romantic looking picture than the first two pictures that we showed you earlier. And just to describe you, he's probably, I don't know, maybe a middle-aged white male, clean shaven, short hair, nothing remarkable about him that, um, we can even, you know, comment on really. And yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting that it was like his personal pictures looked more professional than his LinkedIn picture, which kind of looked like he was longing for a spouse. Yeah, but maybe he was going for like the, uh, you know, the, the grungy, you know, Silicon Valley look, right? That, that I guess permeated the early 20, 2000s, 2010s. Anyway, early 2020, February 6th, Larry Harmon is arrested. 
He was accused of money laundering and he had various properties in Akron, Ohio, Akron, Ohio. Three of them were searched. His San Pedro Belize condo was searched too. The guy's rolling in some good real estate. Um, February 10th of 2020, so four days after the arrest, his Northern California apartment was also searched. What did they find, Jones? They found something that we've talked about at least twice, maybe three or more times, called a treasure wallet. Now, I'm going to say this for the people that are joining us for the first time on our episode. I apologize if you've actually listened to all of our episodes and we've said this a few times about treasure wallets. I actually found out some new things here that actually pertain to this case. So even though you want to skip ahead, do stick with us because you're going to hear about some stuff that we have not talked about previously about treasure wallets. So in a nutshell, there's this cryptocurrency out there, which is virtual currency. It's not like bills that you hold in your hand, but it's numbers that accounts and wallets own. And there is a physical device called a treasure wallet that you can store your virtual coins on. I know kind of mind blowing, right? But think of it as kind of like a hard drive in a way. Okay. Now in this search, the FBI, they go through everything and they go through like your cereal boxes to make sure you're not hiding stuff in there. They go through your heating ducts. They go through everything. And one of the things they did is they flipped over a table and they said, aha, Larry had a treasure wallet magnetically attached underneath the table. And for our video people, I will show you a picture of this now. And it's, you can actually see the FBI agent's picture in the reflection as it's the treasure wallet on the table. And it's just a, I don't know, it's about a credit card-ish size device. It's black, it's got a screen on it. And I do have a clearer picture from Trezor's website to kind of just give you a more of a lay of the land that I'll put on the screen for you now. Um, there's different models, so I know it, the model that I'm showing you is more of a newer model than the one that the FBI found that's got a couple buttons on it. But you can imagine it's just it's like a little computer device that has similarities to a hard drive that you can store this cryptocurrency on. Now, there's a couple ways you can use this device. You can use it as probably any normal person would use it. And you take your Bitcoin and you put it on there and you just put it on there. It's just a wallet and you use it and you go and you store it just like a normal person. There's another mode you can use. And this particular mode they call a hidden wallet. Now a hidden wallet, what that allows you to do is take cryptocurrency wallets, hide them on a treasure, but not have them visible unless you have the certain password in order to make them visible. So it's not even like you can see them and you go, oh darn, I don't have the password. You need the password in order to see that there are hidden wallets on there. Okay. That was a new fact about treasure wallets where I went, okay, this is, this is now getting pretty interesting. Here's another twist, a treasure wallet. Let's say I put all my Bitcoin on treasure wallet and then I left it in my pants pocket and it goes through the wash and I go, oh fuck. I just lost all my Bitcoin because it's on this device that just went in the water. Treasure wallets have a recovery feature where when you set up your treasure wallet, you have, it's basically like this really, really long passphrase. And if you record it, 
guess what? You can buy another treasure wallet without your Bitcoin on it, put in this passphrase, and it magically reconstructs your Bitcoin for you. It basically removes it from the original spot and puts it on the new physical wallet for you. Okay, so now you're seeing where this case is going, right? So the documents tell us that immediately after Larry Harmon's arrest, uh, law enforcement was unable to recover any cryptocurrency from the Treasure One wallet. Uh, apparently, it actually held the 16 subject wallets containing proceeds and fees Larry Harmon generated through the operation of Helix. But the subject wallets were concealed within hidden wallets and were not visible to law enforcement. So federal agents transported the Treasure One to a secure evidence locker in D.C. So can you tell us about the subject wallets and that what that means? Okay, well, the subject wallets are wallets that Larry Harmon had that he made money from Helix on. All those 2.5% transactions, it went into wallets that he owned that are on that Treasure Wallet. The most important thing that I don't want to skip over here is the last thing that Seth said is this wallet is now physically in an evidence locker that's secure in Washington, D.C. It's not in either of the Harmon's hands. So in most people's minds, you go, okay, these Bitcoin are locked up in some secure evidence vault. So keep that in mind. I'm going to tell you, between February and March of 2020, Larry Harmon, remember, he was arrested. There's a lot of stuff in the legal process that we don't go over with you, like motions and hearings and so forth. This point, I got to tell you, there were two hearings. And why this is important is because in both of those hearings, the government said, we can't get into this wallet that we have stored in our evidence locker. And even knowing that, the court decided, eh, Larry, he needs to be released. So on March 13th of 2020, Larry was ordered release pending trial, but he had restrictions on his cryptocurrency transactions. Now here's a, a big red flag bulleted point here. Larry's brother, Gary, he was at these hearings. So everything that I just told you, Larry's brother, Gary also knows. And that's it for act one. You're gonna have to come back for act two because we're gonna get immediately in act two, we're gonna talk about Gary. I had to tell you everything about Larry because without knowing about Larry and Helix, none of this is going to make sense once Gary enters the picture. So Gary's the actual subject of this whole episode and you're going to have to come back in act two to hear about him. So if you liked or enjoyed anything in this episode or this act, please, please like or subscribe, whatever application you're on. If you're on Apple podcast specifically, if you could leave us a five-star review and just say anything nice, that helps us move up the search charts there. And about half of our audio listeners come from Apple Podcasts. And that would really help us out. Do visit our website. It's just ecrimebytes, E-C-R-I-M-E-B-Y, as in yellow milk, T-E-S dot com. And all our social media is either across the top if you're on a desktop or you click that button, the three-line button on the top, and it'll pop up for you and you can pick your favorite social media to contact us on. So with that, I look forward to seeing you on Act 2 of E-Crime Bites, Season 2, Episode 7. Act 2 will be Meet Gary Harmon, Larry's Brother. <laughs>